Welcome to In Conversations, an Investec-focused radio podcast series that offers insights into a wide range of topics that will empower our clients to create, manage, grow, and preserve their wealth. In episode two of this four-part series of In Conversations for Medical Professionals, we continue our chat with Stephen Macaronis, founder of the Business Money Life Institute and program director for the South African Health Business Academy. Here's Investec's digital content specialist, Garabo Sikhoto, the series host. Stephen, you're the founder and the director of these incredible institutions. What motivates you to create these platforms? Really good question. I've been working with doctors and other healthcare professionals for over 37 years. And over this time, I've developed a, a great respect for who they are, what they stand for, the community that they've promised to serve, their commitment to their education, to their profession. They are, without exception, the most selfless professionals of the professional community that I've ever met. And yet, the great majority live really terrible lives, which is not something that most people in the community understand. Why is this? Because of their selflessness around delivering on their promise to help healthcare consumers live better quality lives. They ignore their own lives and they focus in purely on their clinical life and ignore their financial life, their business life, and their personal lives. And so when I realized after many years of being a financial advisor and business advisor to doctors, that despite how much money they earned, respect they had, they were living really poor lives in terms of their engagement with their families and the other aspects of a quality life, like, you know, other passions, holidays, experiences, vacations, and so on, they don't do any of that. All they do is work. The other common experience within a doctor's life is that they continue to work beyond their use-by date, if I can put it that way. Why? Because they've not been efficient and effective enough around building financial lives and business lives that continue to thrive despite them. So they need to continue to work in order to continue to bring income in and survive. Where most other business-oriented professionals will have structured their business lives so they continue to work and derive income despite their personal exertion, or have built, and I should say, have built financial lives that generate income that provide the lifestyle they require into retirement. Because doctors haven't focused on that, they continue to need to work beyond what's usually a retirement age that's appropriate for them, which is really sad. And so that led me to, I guess, build a program that was all around addressing the value of doctors' lives, teaching them how to better build practices, business lives, financial lives, and ultimately personal lives. That's where that, that passion for looking after doctors has come from. You have a team of consultants who help doctors develop successful business and financial lives. How does this process work? So our program is not designed to make doctors specialists in business or financial 
you know, management disciplines. We're not trying to convert doctors into accountants or lawyers or business management consultants or marketing specialists. But it's important that they understand enough about each of these disciplines, they understand the language that each of these professionals uses so that they can communicate and collaborate and, and I guess better be better able to explain what their vision is. And in return, be better able to understand the strategies, the initiatives, the advice that they're receiving so that they can adjust that, take that in, not necessarily trust it without their own you know, thinking and overlaying their own uh, you know, purpose on top of it, but at least understand enough about what's being told and what's being said to them so that they can make informed decisions. That's our goal. Now, by first achieving that level of knowledge and understanding, doctors can then, I guess, figure out where these pieces in the puzzle come together to paint a picture of the ideal practice life and the ideal financial and then personal life. So once we've educated doctors on what the options are and what the different disciplines mean to them in terms of their professional business and personal lives, then we can help to advise them by one-on-one -on -one consulting. Now, that's always at their discretion. But what we find is that once you've educated the doctor on the gaps in their knowledge, in their arrangements, in their professional relationships, then they quickly uh, and with some urgency seek to establish partnerships and build teams of professionals around them to help uh, pave the way to success. Um, so that's more or less how that process works. But it's always driven by first educate and then invite to uh, establish professional relationships. And in most cases, they do. Why do you believe that the practice of the future is going to look so different? What is shaping or influencing these changes? Good question. Any business exists to serve its stakeholders. Another word for stakeholder is its customers, its clients. In the case of medical practices, its patients. Now, it doesn't take a lot of digging to understand that the average patient is simply not having their needs met by the medical profession. Most medical practices simply focus on delivering the clinical needs but there's way more than that that the patient requires. The current patient, the modern patient, the patient that is, has been empowered by the democratization of information, now, a technical term, but what I mean by that is we have information at our fingertips. Every doctor will complain about Dr. Google, the concept of the patient already researching their own ailments, their issues, their symptoms, and trying to come up with their own diagnoses. Doctors are, are, are fronting up to doctors, sorry, patients are fronting to doctors' practices with ha having done already some research. Not only that, they are used to customer service in every other aspect of their lives. And really the only shopping experience in this day and age where patients don't get customer service or consumers of any product don't get customer service is in the medical space. So why will the patient experience change medical practices moving forward because they will need to compete. Medical practices will need to deliver 
customer service. They will need to address the unmet and underserved needs of the patient. And in, and in doing so, they will look beyond simply the clinical and look to a whole lot of other issues such as information, communication, reassurance, assuring that patients meet and comply with um, treatment protocols. All of those soft skills that doctors have not needed to address because of the, there's a much greater demand for their services and supply of them. In other words, there's not a lot of competition. It's the one industry that is not molded by competition, which leads to better patient slash customer experience. But that's changing and it's changing very rapidly and patients are demanding it. So if for, if for no other reason than delivering a better customer experience, medical practices need to change. So, so one of the characteristics of the practice of the future uh, that is transformational in terms of what it looks like then compared to now is a multidisciplinary approach. The average patient doesn't understand and doesn't care that there are silos of specialization. What they're interested in is, is a medical solution to their problems. They're looking for um, a fast-tracked um, uh, um, uh, solution to whatever their issues are. So the multidisciplinary approach is the way of the future. And what do I mean by that? You know, the orthopedic surgeon combining services with the rheumatologist, with the spinal surgeon, with the physiotherapist, with the, with the pain physician. In other words, all the different disciplines that are required to look after and deal with a specific concern. One, to better diagnose the need, and two, to better provide a treatment plan and better monitoring of their, service, of their condition uh, and adjustment of services and treatments along the way. So that's another example, one of the many examples. Another is the inclusion of allied health within a medical practice. So the more we deliver uh, medical services of a multidisciplinary nature to address the specific health issues of a patient, the better we're dealing with their unmet and underserved needs, and the better we are building practices that are uh, designed to last. The other reason is the doctor's experience and their quality of life. You know, there are these stalwarts of medical practice, these mature practitioners, the old guard of medicine, who have been selfless and have had families that have been supportive and happy for them to work in human hours and, and deal with incredible levels of stress um, and pressure. Uh, emerging medical practitioners and families simply won't put up with that anymore. And so medical practices need to change if they're going to continue to be owned by doctors in order to address the what I call the lifestyle crisis that most doctors and the medical profession is facing. Um, so what's going to drive changes? Transformational changes, the unmet dealing with and addressing the unmet and underserved needs of the patient, as well as the unmet and underserved needs of the doctor and their families. How does a medical professional keep up to date with medical innovations? It sounds expensive. Yeah, so, so keeping your practice future fit is not an easy thing. It's not a cheap thing. It's expensive. In the adoption of, of uh, innovation 
um, you know, this confluence of advancing technologies, artificial intelligence, machine learning, data-driven prediction. You know, these technologies require not only a philosophical and mind shift to incorporate within a practice, but significant investment. The only way to make the return on that investment worthwhile is to adopt sound business and financial principles um, to convert your practice into a business. In order to, to stay relevant and future fit, there's this notion of working on your practice as well as in the practice. What doctors are great at doing, because they're technicians, is working in the practice. Doing it, doing it, doing it every day. But if we don't carve out some time to think, to plan, to work on what are our services, what are the unmet and underserved needs, what's the innovation that's coming in, what is the disruptive force that if I don't pay attention to will make me irrelevant in five years' time. So this working on your practice is an extremely important notion. Part of that is about staying not only relevant, but staying viable. Now, how do you do that? It's, it's literally impossible if you're a solo practitioner and you don't have scale. Now, what do I mean by that? Rather than being a solo practitioner, it's almost impossible for the one doctor in the one practice to have the time and resources to adopt all the innovation that is landing on healthcare shores like a tidal wave. The only way to afford that is to provide scale to the group practice. So instead of one, we're talking about two, three, four, five principles, perhaps of the same discipline, whether we're talking dermatology or rheumatology or orthopedic surgeons, or even further to really address the models of the future, the multidisciplinary practice, where you've got the orthopedic surgeon working with the rheumatologist and spinal physician and so on and so on. So the broader uh, the practice in terms of the engagement with patients and revenue being generated, the more able you are, uh, more able you are to afford to adopt um, you know, innovative technologies um, and, um, uh, and different models in terms of delivering on the diagnostic aspect of your practice, but also the delivery of different services and better communication and engagement and, and a broader range of services around this issue of customer experience. How do you see AI disrupting medical practices going forward? So artificial intelligence, machine learning, data-driven prediction, this confluence of advancing technologies has already, sorry to say, proven itself to be more efficient and effective at diagnosing than individual doctors. The, the bandwidth of these incredibly... Um, sophisticated machines that are processing you know, incredible amounts of data are far more effective at making a diagnosis than any individual doctor, no matter their experience, no matter their training can ever be. And I'm sorry to say that. Having said that, what's important and, and really crucial in medicine is not so much the diagnosis. It's all those soft skills that patients have been asking for and demanding perhaps for generations but haven't been getting. And that is information, 
communication, education, you know, treatment compliance. How do we take the diagnosis and ensure that, that our patient receives the best possible treatment to ensure that they beat that diagnosis, that the odds are with them as opposed to against them? That's what, that's the role of the doctor, should always have been and definitely can be and should be moving forward. So is AI a threat? Only if you consider yourself to be purely a diagnostician and you're not flexible enough to adjust to what medicine will need to be, need to shift into moving forward. So I see it, I see AI definitely not as a threat, but as a, as a, as a savior of the profession, as that link between what patients are demanding and not getting and what doctors can now be freed up to deliver. And again, it's those soft skills, communication, information, education, treatment, compliance. Um, you know, these are crucial. Um, so, so AI is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And I think we need to adopt it. Having said that, um, I had a really interesting conversation with the Dean of Radiology in Australia not that long ago. The College of, of the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Radiology. And he said this, that yes, Radiologists will be replaced by artificial intelligence one day. But that day will be the day that you are prepared to get on a plane in Johannesburg and fly to New York without a pilot in the cockpit. That's never going to happen. So doctors will always need to be there to interpret, to provide reassurance, to ensure that, that what a machine is saying is actually right. Let's talk about time. It's the one thing we all don't have enough of. And this is especially true for doctors. How does a busy GP or an esteemed surgeon or specialist find time for banking, family and themselves? At the risk of sounding like a broken record, the only way that a doctor will free themselves up from the drudgery of doing it, doing it, doing it all the time is to adopt sound principles in business and financial management within their lives to run practices as businesses, to run their financial lives with efficiency and effectiveness. So there's a direct relationship between the practice that's run like a business and the amount of time that you have available to allow you to indulge in your passions, to simply live your life. What do I mean here? Again, the practice that is a group practice that is developing income and generating revenue from non-physical exertion allows the doctor to be able to spend time to go to their daughter's music recital, their son's sport match, to go on holidays on a regular basis, to spend time working on the practice, not just in the practice, to spend time developing their level of knowledge around managing their finances so that their financial affairs are profitable to allow them to, at a certain point, not need to worry about working, work because they want to, not because they have to. So how do we buy time? How do we buy our lives back? There's only one way, by being super efficient in the way we run our business lives, super efficient in the way that we run our financial lives. And that comes from lifting our levels of knowledge, but also by building a team of specialists around us. Can't do it on your own. Doctors should understand and do understand when pressed the importance of specialization, 
So we need the best accountants and lawyers and business consultants and financiers and marketing consultants. And the list goes on. Lift your level of knowledge. Build a team of specialists. Put in place the appropriate business and financial strategies to run efficient businesses and financial lives. You will have an abundance of time to not only work efficiently, but also live your life efficiently. How can failing to adequately plan ahead lead to working longer than retirement? Doctors work longer than they need to. They work longer than they want to simply because doctors have adopted this model for success, which has served them well to a degree, but up to a point beyond which it starts to be a huge detriment to their lives. And that is work hard, work hard, work hard. Work hard to get into medicine. Work hard to get into the medical stream or the specialty training that you'd like to get into. Work hard to pass all your exams and then to become a qualified specialist or GP, whatever the particular branch of medicine you're into. Work hard to set up your practice. Work hard to get the referrals and the patients through the door. There's no planning in any of this. It's one step at a time. And when asked the question, what should, you know, you should be planning, what are you thinking your future should look like? The answer is, well, I'm already there. What else do I need to do? And the problem with that kind of thinking, without planning and simply working hard, is that you end up having to do that for the rest of your life. If you plan based on a particular vision, a goal, a purpose, if you have a picture that you're painting as to what success looks like, and what you should be looking at is you know, a threefold picture, what should my practice look like in order to best deliver on my promise to the community that I've set out to serve? What should my financial life look like so that that my lifestyle needs are met by my investments and the income from my assets as soon as possible in order to allow me to slow down at work or practice only the medicine I want to, not the medicine I have to? And then the third goal should be around, well, what does my life look like? On a day-to-day basis, what does my life look like? Do I have... Do I want to and do I have breakfast with my children in the morning? Where do I go on holidays? Have I got the time and the freedom and the flexibility to spend time with my family and with my loved ones and indulging the passions that are important to me? So these are the three main areas, business, financial and personal life that we should have a vision for. We should have a very detailed picture of what the ideal life looks like in each of those three aspects of our lives. And then once we've got that, then it's all a question of planning and building an infrastructure to achieve that. Doctors are bad at doing that. That's why I say I'm really focused and passionate about helping doctors address the value of their lives because they haven't, to put it quite frankly, trusted, found the right individuals, the right specialists, Uh, to provide them with the right plans and strategies and initiatives to allow them to get to a point where their financial lives, their assets, their investments are providing the income that they need for lifestyle purposes sooner rather than later. So the two greatest mistakes that, that, that doctors make, one, they don't trust anybody at all and they do it all themselves and they don't have the specialization or the experience or the education or training 
to manage their financial affairs properly and therefore do a bad job of it. That's the biggest mistake. The second mistake is that they trust too easily. And doctors are fair game for unscrupulous advisors to say, hey, have I got a scheme for you? Invest your money here. Or let's look at building this particular business and so on. So how do we fix this problem? Lift your level of knowledge, make informed decisions, know the right language to speak with these business and financial consultants. And then, and only then, can you truly make the right decisions around who my team members will be. And once you've made that decision, trust them. Not blindly, you need to be in a collaborative relationship, but the sooner you've built your team of specialist business and financial consultants, the sooner you're getting to a point where your financial affairs, your investments, your assets, your conversion of income into income-producing assets gets to a point where your lifestyle is provided by those investments as opposed to your work. And then you get to a point sooner rather than later, where you're working because you want to, not because you have to. If I was a doctor listening to this and I'm in private practice, or considering it at least, what are the three things you would want to tell me about finance or business? The doom and gloom in medicine comes from and is a a part of an existence that has resulted from not branching out and thinking outside of the box. Medicine should be, has to be reimagined. And if we start to reimagine the way that medicine is delivered, and we start to reimagine our role, not just as a clinician, but as a wife, a husband, a father, a son, and we think beyond simply being medical practitioners, and, and truly understand and embrace the notion we can have it all, then you can, absolutely. You know, all doctors need to do to change their lives and to change the trajectory of their life is to accept that it can be and should be and is a better way of running your businesses and your financial lives that leads to a better quality of life. And crucial in all of that is to lift your level of knowledge and then engage and build a network of specialists around you. That's crucial. The most successful and the happiest doctors that I know, and there's many of them, are those that have said, I need the best accountant, I need the best financier, I need the best marketing consultant, insurance advisor, business consultant, and so on. To understand that specialization is important, not just in their field, but in the business and financial world as well. So how do you be happy in life? How do you succeed? How do you achieve goals? How do you be a great clinician as well as have a great life? Lift your level of knowledge and learn about each of these disciplines. Not enough to become a specialist, but enough to learn and understand the right questions to ask and how to best engage with a network of specialist advisors. And those advisors will work with you in a collaborative fashion. They will be part of your team that are driving you towards business success, financial success and lifestyle success. Investec has partnered with you in the South African Health Business Academy. Why is it important for financial brands like Investec to play a part in empowering medical professionals? It's really important that financial brands play a part in empowering healthcare professionals because for two reasons. One, they have a service to provide that is extremely valuable 
without which it's difficult for doctors to achieve true success. But doctors don't understand that value unless they receive uh, education, training, empowerment around the importance of that discipline in their lives. So that financial brand may be a financier like Investec. It may be an accounting practice that specializes in the medical space. It may be lawyers, marketers, business consultants, insurance advisors, and the list goes on. It's really important that each of these financial brands, each of these financial organizations that specialize in products and services in the medical space, accept their responsibility as educators so that doctors can have their level of, of knowledge lifted to a level where they can make informed decisions. So that's why you need to be part of this conversation. If you truly believe as a financial brand, as a business brand, that your products and services are of value to doctors, then you need to take on the responsibility of an educator so that doctors understand the relevance of what it is that you do in their lives and provide it, present it, deliver it in such a way that's empowering, that allows them to make the decision rather than it being sold to them that, yes, I need you in my life. So that's what the South African Health Business Academy is all about. Saba is about delivering a curriculum that, that delivers education, that lifts doctors' level of knowledge so they can make informed decisions. And Investec, as one of the key and foundational partners of Saba, will help to propel this education across the broadest possible range of South African doctors. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Investec in Conversation. Investec in Conversation is a thought leadership series that offers insights into a range of relevant topics. We draw on the expertise of internal and external subject matter experts to spark discussions and answer questions around topics that will empower our clients to create, manage, grow, and preserve their wealth. For more episodes, subscribe to Investec Focus Radio and tune in to this thought-provoking series wherever you get your podcasts from. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendations. Investec Private Banking, a division of Investec Bank Limited, a registered credit provider committed to the code of banking practice as regulated by the Ombudsman for Banking Services.